0: hello everybody welcome to jen lowry writes this evening i am so honored to bring to you mt anderson okay guys this is going to be a treat for all of us he's a best-selling author He's got such a long list of books that if I read them all out, we would just be sitting here for the next 30 minutes reading out all of your book awards, New York Times bestseller, National Book Award, we've got Feed, you've got a new book coming out. And really, that's why we're here is to really talk about your journey through all of your books your collection of works but to also celebrate your april 11th release mm-hmm. right around the corner and you've got elf dog and Owlhead head that's on pre-order so you guys i've already got it on pre-order i cannot wait for april 11th to drop so so hello welcome to the show
1: thank you very much i feel even just from your voice that there's like a A whiff of southern warm air up here is literally right here. I'm in Vermont. I'm in rural Vermont and it is snowing out, which I love. I love, but it is nice to have just like the... Scent of like orange blossoms or something. It's somewhere in the future, you know?
0: Uh, Dogwood trees. We will say dogwoods in North Carolina. And I will also say that today was very warm where I'm at. Mm. And it was a lovely day to go walking and there was no snow in sight. (laughs) And now, but with North Carolina weather, we're going to be like 49 as a high on Saturday. So it tricks us. It always has something up its sleeve where it's going to trick us with weather here in North Carolina. I don't know. Vermont and snow, though, sounds so lovely. It is. Well, your books are lovely. And talk about a career. From picture books, graphic novels, young adult, middle grade to adult. Woo, let's just praise hands. Come on, talk about that. Talk about how all of that came together for you.
1: Well, it's just, I mean, I think it's just so much fun to challenge yourself to do something you've never done before. And so, for me, the idea of like doing a picture book or doing uh, like a picture book in rhyme or a picture book uh, that's nonfiction, but is a, you know, like I, I've done picture books about like Handel, who wrote the, the guy who wrote the Hallelujah chorus, you know, Hallelujah, that guy. Um, or doing that, a huge nonfiction book about Russia during World War II and the siege of Leningrad. And it's, you know, it's, the opposite emotions of any picture book in that it's entirely kind of like dark and about the harsher places in the human soul. And then doing like comedy books for kids. Like, you know, I don't know that I do them all well, but I certainly enjoy doing them.
0: And that's- Well, that's why you do them well, Pals in Peril as another series we could call out right now. Come on, Mummy, mom. I mean, so if we think about doing things well with that joy around it,
1: Mm, yeah I think that joy is absolutely necessary I mean frankly for one thing being an author by and large is not a uh, profitable enough job to actually do if you don't love it you know and and if you do find that you love it you're going to do it regardless of whether you're published and whether you're making money or not because you love it Um, but also I want to also I think that your question about like doing a variety of things is a great place to start in the way that I really hope that your uh, listeners will in their own lives, like uh, take those kind of risks and go, look, I'm going to try this thing because sometimes it does mean you're going to try and fail, Hmm. you know, and I have books. I have whole novels that are like hundreds of pages long that have not been published because they are failures and that's fine that's fine. Like I learned a thing. I had a great time doing it, but like you should know that like it's wonderful to try, but it's also hard, especially if you're an adult already. It's hard to try something new and know that you might fail. That's something we're we're not used to, but kids remember what that's like. Adults kind of don't, if you see what I mean.
0: Yeah. Because it takes one courage. You called it that risk taking, but there right. has to be this purpose behind it too, that no matter what the outcome. Right. I do this for the love of taking a blank page. Yeah. And just allowing whatever it is that's here and here to just go and let exactly. it be.
1: Right. Yeah and it's like uh, if I think that people who are um, naturally writers they hear the idea of a blank page and sure sometimes the blank page is scary but oftentimes when they're like especially if you're doing something else if you're like doing like heavy duty work or cleaning the house suddenly the idea like wait a second I could just sit down with a blank page in front of me and like anything I care about I could put down on paper. I think that that experience of excitement is so central to what we do and it's great
0: when people feel that and I I read something where you talked about the intelligence of our youth today and never mm-hmm. underestimate the power and the passion that our readers also bring to the experience yeah yeah because and you said you said about having like just an accidental run-in creates these moments where you go wow
1: well I mean and I'm sure anyone who is a teacher out there or a librarian can tell you something that happened literally this week (laughs) where someone came into their room some kid and like said a thing that totally floored them and like oh my god you're 13, and yet you, you have understood something incredible about the world, or you have thought to yourself an amazing way, or you know the most incredibly bizarre facts, whatever it is. You know what it I mean? is.
0: It's so true. It's right. And it is that quirky, vibrant, colorful palette that youth bring. To a conversation or or to an experience that as adults, when we get to have that blank page experience, if we could just somehow tap into that, that is like just pure inhibition. Just it's out the wind. It's just go. Yeah. And and that's where it becomes magic, joy, regardless of the outcome. Let us just do this for the love of words and story. And for the honoring of the work that's also come before us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also the honoring of those, of those kids. Oh, like you think to real? yourself, like, I mean, especially if you're a writer who has a classroom or whatever, you know, there are going to be like, you're picturing like four kids, maybe five kids or something from that class. You're like, I don't care if all the rest of them like it, but if these five read this and they're like, wait just one this just the i'm happy
0: with the one right,
1: absolutely if someone reads this and loves it first of all i used to say this like when people would say things like um well your books aren't for everyone because they're kind of eccentric or whatever else i was like just remember if one teenager from every school in the united states likes your book you're a bestseller
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to even, I'm not even going to do the math. I'm a literary person, not a math person, but I'm telling you, that would be a lot.
1: Right, exactly. So anyway, I just think, um, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why teens are such a fascinating audience to write for, because, you know, they're grappling with ideas the first time. I mean, you must remember this. Remember, like, when you're, I don't know, like, especially when you're like 12 or 13, 14, maybe, and you have those moments where, uh, like, some kind of Twilight Zone idea suddenly occurs to you and your friends yes. and the, like you've the, the weird thing about it is you've actually never thought it before in your life and suddenly you're like wait a second what if everyone is an illusion but me or some idea like that or like what if the stars are just holes in a giant sphere whatever it is you know you think these things and suddenly like <sighs> you know, your head blows up. And it's because you've never thought those things before. And I think that we get used to the kind of set of typical thoughts when we're older.
0: Except you, except you, because now I'm going to call you back. Because what if there is a boy named Clay that goes to an adventure in the woods with a dog? And what if they find things not so woodsy after all like what if is that how you go when you're writing it's just asking these what ifs
1: well in that in this okay so um what you have uh very generously inserted into the conversation um beautifully like a piece of uh cheese into a sandwich
0: Uh, yes okay is... i'll be the yellow craft cheese that's what i like so just oh. let me clarify i want to give specific details go ahead <laughs> um,
1: yeah um it said so that's the plot of um of elf dog and Owlhead, which is the book of mine that's coming out um for kind of like nine to twelve year olds i'd say that kind of age range and there what my idea was was what if you were a really lonely kid and then you met a dog who had escaped from a kingdom underneath a mountain. So you're living in normal, the normal 21st century world, in fact the world of of COVID, though I don't really make yes. a big deal out of out of it. It mentioned you do
0: say plague and you do say world, you know, shut down and you do say yeah. I'm stuck here with video games or or a sister, right?
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which both of them being a bad idea, the combination of the sisters <laughs> for and the clay
0: video. for clay. Yeah. Right,
1: exactly. Right. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I mean, and I, I should say it's not a book that's in any way kind of about the about COVID. It's just about like that's what makes him feel isolated. So here he is. He's in a he's in a town very much like the one I live in here in Vermont. So it's a town with like uh, nothing really to do except a big forest and lots of dirt roads and cows. Um, and so he goes into the woods, bored, and discovers this dog that appears to have come from nowhere and seems to have odd magical powers and so the rest of the book is kind of like him and this dog going together through the woods and all of these kind of miraculous things they find and perils and people are trying to get the dog back to take the dog under the mountain and and so can i tell the story of how this book came about
0: i must know it please
1: this is this was my life during 2020 i was stuck here alone in this tiny little house in vermont and the um i had a dog uh who i dearly dearly loved who had just had a very very b- close brush with death mm-hmm. so she was a dog i um absolutely like she was my one companion and then right before the um, pandemic started she had symptoms of something really badly wrong like a tumor and um oh. and she just squeaked by and so by the time the pandemic started there was a feeling that she was almost miraculous because she had recovered from a thing when I was told she was going to be dead in three days but there she was not only recovered but like we were taking five and six mile walks every day in the forest and so I set out to explore so there are a hundred uh miles of road in my town only two of those roads are paved So I decided that um, what this dog LaRue and I were going to do is we were going to go and walk every road in town, like every inch of of the town's roads while the pandemic was there, was running. And um, so anyway, so that it was a kind of a time of exploration and also the incredible gratitude that I had to this animal that she could be with me when No other people were around for four months or five months. I saw basically no other humans except at a distance. And so she was my companion. And I really wanted to write a book that was, that talked about how deep our relationship can be with our animals. You know, I hate it when people talk about them as if they are just a creature around the house and in some houses they are in some families, they are, and that's fine, but I know that for, for me and for many others there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like an essential part of your family, right?
0: Like my dog son Rambo. What is it Rambo, Rambo <laughs> was my dog for six years. I loved my English bulldog and he was like, a son to me he was a part of the pack now he might have been the leader of our pack (laughs) i wasn't pack leader he was loved him adorable and now we have a bunny pet flora bale so, Flora Bell is now a new member of our family. So, we have a rabbit in the home and just absolutely adore her. So, those, I get it. I get it. and that's Those names, you
1: can... for one thing, are absolutely perfect. Uh, a yeah, uh, bulldog named Rambo seems perfect. It yeah. was.
0: And I was actually, like, binge-watching all the Rambos at that time. So, of I course. will say, yeah, it's totally a Sylvester <laughs> but, thing. It's not like any other reference. It's really Rambo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not like the, the French poet, Humboldt
0: no no it's rambo let's get it clear like like we got this down recording we got it but yeah i love how you took that experience and pulled those emotions but also captured it in a world that could also provide escape and comfort for a young reader
1: i hope so because
0: isn't that what our books do
1: i yeah absolutely Because books can be the
0: companion, you know, like, let's say there is, is a a reader out there who doesn't have the pet, Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have maybe some stronger connections, but
1: the Mm -hmm. book,
0: the book, the characters, Mm -hmm. the world that can become such a lifeline and such a place of hope and heart and you know i had great relationships growing up you know great family dynamic but there was just something special about a book in me like me and my mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. me and my multiple books with an s on the end me and my stack of books because yeah. they would grow and they would grow and there's something special about that even yeah. to this but, day
1: yeah and i think that like uh I like, it sounds like, like like you, like when my family would be going on a trip, um, you know, mom would be going like, oh, look, you know, there's some horses or something. And she pointed out the window and I'd be, mm, yeah, sure, mom. Uh, yep, yep.
0: So you have to tell me an experience with a book on a vacation or somewhere unlikely. Can you think back of a book that you had to have by your side that you carried with you?
1: Well, I just like I went just like you're saying about stacks. I went through them really, really quickly and kind of addictively. And, uh, and like my parents were very aware that if we did go on a trip, I needed to have a certain number like lined up and ready to go into the hopper, you know.
0: Yes. So were you a series reader or were you just or were you just grabbing everything from particular authors? Did you have like a collection? I was a huge Stephen King person at a very young age. Um, yeah. Like my yeah. you know, um, like did you have like a, a certain gravitational pull to a type yeah. of genre or an author I mean, I read a lot of fantasy you... books ah fantasy be-
1: because we're talking the 80s there were a lot of like fantasy series that thank goodness have been forgotten
0: um, <laughs>
1: but that i totally loved
0: oh that got you like
1: fantasy. yeah if if there's anyone who is my age out there maybe you remember the sword of Shannara. you know huh. like books like this so these are these books that you know kind of your classic fantasies where the wizards are still wearing pointy hats and
0: stuff. But you absolutely devoured it.
1: I loved it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it did transport me. Like I was, you know, the beautiful thing is that like, so I was living in a small, you know, town with lots of like, uh, you know, kind of rundown forest around me and that kind of thing. But because I'd read those fantasy novels, I saw that whole landscape as being infused with magic. And so that place became magic because the books I was reading were about it. And I think that that's exactly why I'm now writing in a sense about like this boy exploring a magical landscape, because um, I think that's a beautiful thing when you can actually find magic in the place you are.
0: Yes. And so your whole life story, you've just been mapping out your latest fantasy map. right Right here you've just been mapping it out and you know how you turn in and you see oh wow look at this world and here's here 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 right all of your experiences culminating into your next novel (laughs)
1: right well but it's I I mean it's even just for people like when I have uh friends who are big mystery readers Mm -hmm. after a time like it's kind of fun because they will start to say like oh there's where you could (laughs) have slipped the poison in to you (laughs) as you're eating dinner you know what I mean
0: yep yep trust me Because, yeah, and with you also writing to different audiences, I love how you are just a multi-genre, just all in it to win it, Mm -hmm. regardless of how it falls to you. When you get this spark of your what ifs, Mm -hmm. whether it's your nonfiction, fiction, picture, graphic, you know, your landscape, we're talking about a career landscape. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had those moments where I've heard some authors say, well, this might be the last one. And then you surprise yourself because a new one comes mm. along. Have you ever had those moments? Because, you know, sometimes I've seen working, especially with authors who are new in this, they'll say, this is the only thing I've got.
1: Oh, right. Have yeah. Ever- well, I mean, I would say to them, maybe, maybe it is, but I mean, the likelihood would be like, when that is out of your head, something else that's going to start to take its place yes you know you're going to start to pick up these little germs of things these little clues just like uh you know uh um oyster making a pearl like something's gonna that little grit is gonna get in and start agitating you uh and then build something larger and larger around it and then you're gonna find out oh, there's another project
0: and it'll, it could be any type of creative project, but I believe Absolutely. that that creative fuel will continue to be there as long as you're just yeah. open, ready right. and releasing. Because right. like you said, you got to release that thing for that next place for it to have a space to grow for right. you to nurture it and grow it. Right. So, yeah. I love that.
1: And then also, you know, just as we were saying at the beginning of the conversation, it may not come in a form that you're expecting. Yeah. And yep. so then you have to say to yourself well do i want to force this to conform which could actually be an answer or um have i am i actually thinking about like a woodworking project and
0: exactly yeah
1: maybe it's a woodworking project oh, amen go try a woodworking project what the heck life is just so um incredibly rich and the possibilities are so endless around us But of course, the thing is that the way we get through life, and this makes sense to some extent, is by shutting off our vision of those possibilities. And of course, what we want to do in our own life and in the books we read and in the books we write is open those doors and say, wait a second, we could be doing anything, you know?
0: Okay, love it. I love that. Because we do have such a great potential. Mm Mm-hmm. And I do believe it's a gift. I do believe that there are gifted woodworkers out there. Don't give me the yeah. the woodwork today. Don't right, give me right. the. Don't give me this, that, or the other. And I'm not saying, like you said earlier, it, it, are we ever going to be the masters of this craft, or are mm-hmm. we just going to sit and honor readers, and honor characters and stories and go? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I could could hit go, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not how it's going to be received. That, that's a whole nother situation, but just mm-hmm. by hitting go, we allow that play, that safe place for us to just be able to play. Yeah, like just to play. And life should be more fun. Sorry, we should have more fun in our lives. Let us (laughs) do this thing. So tell me about (laughs) your stress level when it's around books. Like, Do you feel this intense stress around all of this process and all the behind the scenes? How have you navigated all of that since you do have such an amazing career in this world for this author world we live? Yes.
1: Um, Well, I would say that the stress level varied a lot based on what the project was so for example elf dog and Owlhead, I was just in heaven writing that book because I just like my dog had escaped death we were going for walks every day long long walks so for one thing there are like what is it endorphins or whatever it is it's released yes. by that so there's the natural high and then just like coming home and then making up this story that that was so much expressing exactly what I wanted to express. Like, like, to me, that novel was one of the happiest and easiest writing experiences I've had. But, you know, I mean, not every book is like that. I mean, um, I wrote a couple of books set during the Revolutionary War. Um, They were novels. Um, And I wrote a big nonfiction book set during World War II. Um, And for those, there's a kind of intensity of, um, of research and an intensity of the emotions you're describing. I mean, you're like in the, either case, you're talking about these uh, kind of brutal scenes at the edge of human experience, excuse me, human experience that have to be uh, described somehow. And you're frankly, in learning about both of those things, you're also learning things about the about human nature that are very, very ugly. And you, and also you really want to get things right. Yes. So, That is a very different kind of level of stress because you're like, this is tremendously important material that is very difficult and sad. And yet I somehow have to get all the details in place. And that is stressful. And so, you know, when you talk about fun and that kind of thing, it's not exactly fun in the instances of something that intense, but it still feels important to me. It feels like it is saying something I need to say. And so when those books are done, I'm very proud of them, even if they are not like a romp.
0: But they're rewarding because you yes. understand the impact yeah. of what and, it can also bring.
1: Right, right, right. And and, and rewarding just in doing it. And then in, in the thought of like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, like I actually, both of those books, the um, Revolutionary War ones and the Russian one, both of them each took five years to write but just thinking like wow I navigated all that I That's actually the
0: challenge right you said right, earlier right. you you got to get yourself up to the challenge right, and go right. whatever that calling is right. or that storyline or that yeah that place and there has to also be in those moments in the challenge no matter you know and it's such that responsibility that you're talking about mm-hmm. to to honor that time space and human mm-hmm experience but then at the same time you've got to carry that because you're storing all of this information too and then you're having to filter and move so that has to be an emotional ride for you yeah putting yourself in those vulnerable positions because it is a vulnerability that we do when we are trying to capture human emotion and and truth right of what what is truth you know in those time spans but you you know what i mean like that has to also be a burden but then Mm -hmm. it also has to be the lift at the same Mm -hmm. time it has to be like i've never written in that way but i i can just imagine it being the burden and the lift because you're Mm -hmm. burdened with the responsibility but you have the lift knowing that you've got to keep going you've got to get this finished because it's placed on your heart to do such a thing as that.
1: Well, and also the lift um, is when you feel like, oh, I got that, I, I worked that thing around so that it actually operated and worked the way I needed it to. Like there's that thing about just being like, oh, I said what I, you know, and, but here, and here's the thing here. I would say that if you want to change, if you want a book to change your reader's life, that book has to change your life as you're writing it.
0: Okay. We'll just you know? stop here. Let's quote that. Like let's quote that author. Let's quote it. Let's clap. Everybody just <laughs> pause Yes, because it is truly an extension of, of how is it impacting us? Right. Before it even gets out there. We're the one. We're the one. Right. Before it becomes another one.
1: Right. And I mean, I feel like I understand the world differently because I wrote those books. And frankly, even though this Elf Dog and Elhead book is so uh, was so fun to write, I also feel like it changed me in the sense that the act of writing it during the pandemic was itself an act of joy and was an act of connection with that very, very beloved dog, who I'm sorry to say about a year later actually did die of an unrelated thing. So I had this sort of like this extra year, almost as if I'd been granted time with her just so she would make it through the pandemic with me. Yeah. And it was like to me, that whole time was magical. Like I, I will forever look back on that as being like the warmest, most beautiful summer and the time of this kind of intense connection with another living creature. Um, and, you know, the the book does not have that kind of like the sorrow of that in it at all. It's not that kind of book. It's a has a very happy ending, you know, wow. um, but I'm just saying spoiler like. Spoiler
0: alert, I'm, happy ending. You don't need Right, that. spoiler <laughs> alert, happy ending. Right. The dog
1: does not die. <laughs> well, Always see, important. now
0: that's important because that's yes. the first thing that my son, like we're reading a fantasy novel tonight and he's telling me to text my author. Do the sailors die? Because if they die, I'm going to cry. And if this ship sinks, then I'm going to cry for two days. Can I just find out now? And so I already know the answer, of course. And I'm just texting her. And we're just dying laughing over my son's like 15-year-old exaggerated (laughs) self over right. and that's the first thing you'll ask when he sees an animal in a book is it gonna so yeah, yeah guys you can what read at least book? this um, part with ease oh my gosh how? what mad. was the
1: patrick Ness book the knife of? oh
0: my gosh the a monster calls i cried so much at that patrick Ness book i cried so much reading that book but it was a book of healing for me but i will tell oh. you that man is is a genius to make me cry for for so long in a book
1: i didn't well, just cry an- one
0: page let's just say i cried throughout
1: <laughs> he has another book um where um there is a talking dog a very wonderful talk no 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 that dog dies oh there- and i was just <laughs> like everyone who reads that book including me were devastated oh. And everyone just like goes on twitter and they're like Ness!
0: <laughs> why did you possibly do this to us why (laughs) and that's how it was for me with the monster calls i like but that's what we want right and we're reading this book and these are books for middle grades young adults you know and they just capture our adult imagination and Mm -hmm. our adult world and bring us right back as Mm -hmm. if we were sitting there like you called out the 80s Here I am sitting in the 80s, holding my book so close Mm -hmm. to my chest, just honoring that relationship that I have, having no clue, like, man, what if we could have back then reached out to our authors, you and your pointy hat wizardries? Like, (laughs) what if that had been some conversations? Did you know you were going to be a writer then?
1: I did. Yeah, from the time I was a very little it. kid. Yeah. So when I you absolutely... say
0: very little kid, do you mean like your first words were not mom? It was like author. Like like when you say very advance. little kid, it was
1: advance and agent. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, I um my but i do know that in first grade i was already writing stories and like illustrating them with this idea like it was the first things i could write and i the reason i wanted to write to be able to write literal like letters and words was so that i could write books
0: oh see so
1: i was totally into it yeah absolutely
0: can you remember the first book you ever read
1: not the one of, no i mean because no? you know, like, No, because like my parents were reading to me all the time. So you don't have that
0: whole thing. I read this book and no.
1: Mm -mm, Sorry. No, that's okay. You did disappoint me. Yeah, go ahead. No, I remember books I read when I was really young. I mean, I totally loved like the Dr. Seuss books with all their weird monsters and animals. Um, And uh, I totally, oh, um, and then actually one that I thought of just a minute ago. Um, Do you know the Moomin Troll books by- I uh, do not oh okay so it's it's by an author named tova Jansson, j-a-n-s-s-o-n so she's like swedish finnish blah 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 but the point is these are books for like pretty swedish. young kids mm-hmm. no she is she's both she was yeah. swedish living in finland
0: got you i'm um, on it
1: yeah but anyway um and she's she's amazing and she wrote these books called the Troll books which are for like i would say seven to ten year olds maybe um and um super super fun and sweet especially like they change very much over the course of her life they start as adventure books and the last one is kind of autumnal and sad which was really interesting as a kid to read something that's kind of like but anyway the point is about these little kind of creatures who live in the woods in um, in finland and they're totally cute and fun and there's one one of the books moomin land midwinter this like the whole family of creatures goes to sleep each year and uh, hibernates, they eat a bunch of, um, of uh, pine needles and they fall asleep and, and, and then they wake up in the spring. So this one book, which is really wonderful is this one kid wakes up in the middle of the winter and he's the first of the Moomin people to ever be awake in the winter. So it's all about him seeing the landscape he knows totally transformed by the snow. And one of, the, uh, one of the episodes in it is that he sees a squirrel, a very stupid squirrel who's running and jumping and hopping right into a storm. And he warns the squirrel and the squirrel won't listen to him and stuff. And then you get the sense that the squirrel, um, the squirrel's going to die.
0: The squirrel's oh. going to
1: die of cold. But the interesting thing is that um, the author puts a little footnote and says, if this scene is making you very sad, turn to page such and such. And you turn to page such and such. And that's when the squirrel hops back.
0: I was like oh my gosh I love that what a craft what a little crafty little it's okay get your heart rate down this squirrel is not gonna die right Right. (laughs) yeah but
1: those books are super fun the first one is called Comet and Moominland and it's a very uh it's very much an adventure um but then as I say they as they go on they got very they were very different um the, the books
0: I screenshot her I have her Okay. She's now in a collection of of how I must look things up. Okay. And I so you knew early on
1: mm-hmm. that
0: this was going to just be a path that you had to take with full passion.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. so going straight in, think about high school experiences. Were you writing novels or picture books yeah. or at high school level? Were you fully fleshing these things out? And
1: so one of my books, The Game of Sunken Places, is a is actually a book I wrote when I was 16. Oh,
0: absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, it wasn't published until years later. And of course, let me say to anyone who is, um, pardon me, 16 years old out there, I did actually totally, I mean, I re- really revised it as an adult. Right. Right. So, you know, like, yeah, some of the humor reads kind of like I was 16. But um, but you know, like I um, it was it was actually by the time it was published, I I had sharpened it a bit and stuff. But yeah, that was absolutely a book that I wrote then and it, you know, um, and then that series I continued to write as an adult. So like I wrote it the first volume when I was 16, revised it when I was about 31, and then published three more books in the series, kind of like taking it where I wanted to as a kid, but I didn't really have the, I don't know, the stamina or something to stick with it enough. But yeah, so I wrote a full, several full novels when I was that age. That was the one that was actually worth looking back at.
0: So there's another tip right there just continue mm. to write you never know when yeah. you may have something to come back and visit you again that right. does need that work and that shaping and revising right. and all of the good things based on our lovely experiences that we continue to have in this world right but but don't stop just keep no. going
1: and also like um i would also say to people try to write a um a journal when something really interesting happens oh you have one is that what you're about to pick up there you go.
0: Always yeah. beside me. and like Always here.
1: But when you're writing your journal, say to yourself, I want to write this because I will read it in like 30 years, 40 years or 50 years. And so remember, I may not remember who any of these people are and what any of these circumstances are. So how do I make this story that I'm telling now about what happened to me today interesting to someone who doesn't know the circumstances. And that, I think, is a really interesting way to approach it.
0: So that is also going to tie into what I actually wrote today. Oh, you're kidding. Yes, which says he writes, but it doesn't say who he is. So I'm really hoping 30 or 40 years from now, (laughs) when I'm 90, I'm going to be able to go back and say, oh, that he actually refers to M.T. Anderson, because that is the night that I met him. He writes. I love writing for young readers. I love their passion. I love their commitment to stories. I love the way their heads are exploding with all the things they want to say and do. Thanks to them and to you for reading the things I've written. And those are your words, by the way, that I grabbed and snatched and said, wow, he captured my thoughts exactly. I'm going to add that to my journal today. He writes.
1: That's nice. Yeah, so, that's great. So,
0: and then, of course, I have elf dog and elf head here as my pre order. And I love the phrase a boy and his dog or a dog and her boy. <laughs> love <laughs> it. I wrote that because it's just such a thing in quotes that I had to put. But But when I see things, I just capture them in my journal. It may not even be about all the presentations I had to do today, right? Or the things in my job or this or that. It's what inspires me. Right. And Your words in that speech that I randomly found online has now made a permanent Sharpie blue in my journal that Mm -hmm. will never go away because that's what words can do for people.
1: Mm Mm-hmm yeah and and but what exactly what you're saying like if you're going to write a journal I think yeah don't write about just everything that happens decide like oh you know like a really funny thing particularly happened at lunch it's only two sentences long that can be the whole journal entry don't feel like you have to describe everything just describe the funny thing that happened at lunch just describe the way that something fell out of the sky and hit the ground in front of you or whatever it is you know the taste of of a burger on the grill. Just like, the thing. That- yeah. Th-
0: the crazy quirky thing that you're gonna forget unless you've said it out loud five thousand times, right? Because the mm-hmm. crazy quirky time I was standing under a tree at a fire, like a one of the fire alarms at school and I have all these kids around me. And a chocolate milk falls out of the tree and no one had catapulted it up there. It just fell from the tree. So I'm thinking, okay, so we've got critters around here who love chocolate milk and they just happen to lose their stash. And so now I'm thinking of all the squirrels in our schoolyard who have collected chocolate milk. And I mean, things like that, if you say it over and over, you'll remember. But what are all the other things that we miss when we're, as you said, when we first started, observe it. You're an author. I should be observant. Y'all, he were having to read through the hair of where I'm actually from. So think about being observant and how does that really play in? I mean, you've already told me that because you talked about your experiences in the woods and the walking trails and, but being an observer of life and then capturing it somewhere. So we don't forget that impact that that life experience brings, whether it's, a moment. Like you said, you don't have to tell the world a whole story. You can do a sentence or two.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Love
0: that. So there's another tip, guys. Another tip. Yeah. Write it down. Or or
1: surprising emotions that you felt. at, Like you go to a 4th of July fireworks, but there's something there that makes you really sad. Like you suddenly see, oh my God, my aunt is totally aging and I'm terrified about that. Or the person I bring, the date I bring, We actually don't have a good time, even though we're supposed to have a good time. That kind of thing is equally interesting. Like to say, oh, here's a setting which should have been one way, but it turned out to be this way. Because memory is going to shave off a lot of that. And suddenly you're going to be like, it was great that year when I went to see the fireworks.
0: You'll completely miss the little nuances that can actually maybe just turn out to be the next human emotion experience or a quirk that might find itself in a book somewhere, a short story or a poem, or while you're woodworking and you're <laughs> having to try to carve out that, you know, firework experience, how it's not so good, but you could turn it into something here and, and keep it in wood. I mean, I feel like what you're saying is so small, you know, it's a small thing you can do every day. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that's very impactful you can do every day. Mm-hmm. Just to allow the creativity. Do you have a schedule when you write? Like, that's another thing I always love to like. Do you do a, a certain word count, a page? How do you set up that routine? Or do you even well, have a routine?
1: I, I do kind of have a routine. Um, and, uh, you know, it, like a lot of people talk about wanting to or needing to write early in the morning. And I wish I could, but I can't. I'm just like I'm not really fully awake until about three o'clock, you know. I mean, I get through the day from eight until three, but you know,
0: it, it, it's so. not your best creativity self. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah.
1: And then, you know what I actually think though that it is is it's almost like I need input from the world before I can create output. Mm. Um, and so yeah, usually I start to write in the middle of the afternoon and write for a few hours and that kind of thing. Um. And um, yeah, so I do kind of have a schedule though. It's based on essentially like, oh, but, uh, but here's the, the, like my schedule is not interesting, but what I think I can say that is useful is giving yourself permission to have the schedule that your body and your mind appear to, to have, oh. to, to want, you yes. know what I mean? Like, don't like, if I sat there, Oh, cause I'll tell you what it used to happen. I would hate the fact that I wasn't one of the, right in the morning, people. So I would go through the whole day, like, grinding along up until three, hating myself for not starting yet. I mean, especially because I do it professionally, like, full-time. So I don't have, like, other stuff necessarily to, to um, uh, like, occupy the day, right? Um, so I was, uh, and I, I would hate myself until three, and then I'd start to write. And I was like, wait a second, if I just said to myself, I'm a writer who doesn't start writing until three, suddenly the morning is like this glorious free thing where I can do like all of the paperwork I need to do I can do all of the office stuff I have to do I can you know write all the email and everything suddenly it was incredibly freeing I wasn't in like self-hating for the first eight hours of the day
0: but there's another risk because you have to be aware you also Mm -hmm. have to take that Acceptance that you've got to do your thing that works for you, and that's why right. I always love to ask these questions because everybody has such a varied answer. It's yeah. got to give somebody out there that freedom to find yourself in your best place. Right. You know, your best time, your best state, your best surroundings. There is no perfect answer. You just got to right. have that awareness.
1: Right. Well, and I mean, I mean, if you are a teacher and a parent. You know, then you have these other serious like time constraints. It's like, maybe the thing then is saying to yourself, I've got to wake up at five and write for an hour or an hour and a half before the rest of the day starts. Because by the time I get home at four or five and then there's the family. Yeah. Take a
0: nap. Got to take a nap and recharge. I'm just going to. Yeah. And actually, yeah,
1: that's (laughs) the thing. Like, like taking a nap can be part of the process. Yes. Because you may well be able to take a 20-minute nap and discover that then at 5 o'clock, you can write for an hour from 5 to 6.
0: So I call those pockets of time. Like So think about how much can you fit in your pocket, right? And when we have such a busy schedule, if all we can do in these moments is, is put some little bit of writing in our pocket, we're good to go. We, we've kept yeah. up with that you know, yeah. that timeline, you know, if we've set ourselves with these deadlines, it's going to happen just like right. April 11th is right around the corner, whether, you know, it's going to be right here and you're going to have another book that's going to hit right. the stands. I mean, it's going right. to happen. Right. So it's best if you, you know, don't beat yourself up about it, but also if you have right. pockets of time, utilize that experience and go for it.
1: And Absolutely. Because remember, if you write a page a day, that's not a hell of a lot and by the end of a year you have a book that's actually too long
0: yes say it one more time so Katie Camillo is one of my favorite authors of the world okay, she does yeah. her two page a day she writes her two page a day if, if you calculate that mess out come on my math people out there pull out your calculator but okay. I mean especially the freedom in that a page a day
1: yeah right yeah. today
0: do what you can do even if it's paragraph it, a day in your pocket of time a just paragraph do, a
1: day right do
0: what you do and, and do it with joy and then it'll and then you'll continue to work it until you do it well <laughs> because and, I honestly heard,
1: like if you write one paragraph that has an interesting idea in it that really says something you want to say that's a full day's work and that is like that's all it takes it really is yeah
0: And those paragraphs add up.
1: They add up. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I love it. I have so loved talking with you this evening.
1: This has been great. Thank you. And I know that
0: I have kept you way over my normal time. So I am not going to apologize for that. I am just going to say thank you for sharing this time with me and my listeners, because truly your words have inspired me. I am so grateful to be able to have a platform where I can have this opportunity to meet with you and and pull in your insights your words of wisdom and i'm really looking forward to just continuing uh, seeing you out there getting more and more of your books and seeing what magic can await with the pages that yeah but
1: writing. also good luck with your own work ah
0: oh, thank you thank you and good luck to you as well I'm just so thankful so guys um one last word of wisdom if you want to leave with them oh I want to ask you this what's your theme song do you have one do you have a theme oh, my song? theme song if I could have like, like started you off with a song as you were walking in like a UFC what would have it been?
1: How about like the beginning of Prokofiev's first piano concerto? That would be a okay. very triumphant thing to end, to begin, to begin on. Yeah. And
0: another thing, I have to go look up. See, I'm learning from you every day. So thank you. Learning, learning with every, every, every time. Beginning, middle, end. All right. So words of wisdom, last nugget for all of our authors um, and a young and uh, our age and older. Right. Like- <laughs>
1: eat broccoli even though it's a disgusting vegetable it actually is quite an inspiring thing when the nutrients hit you
0: yes thank you so moms out there will, will also approve they absolutely approve of this message there you go all right guys please check out f dog and al head and all of your other amazing books that you have on your lineup so thank you mt anderson y'all in the house jen lowry writes (laughs) i hope that y'all have a wonderful evening and just thank you for being with us
1: thank you